You're listening to the Bible Nerd Podcast, a weekly show where we're exploring the world of the Bible, helping you fall more in love with Jesus, and building a thoughtful defense for the Christian worldview. I'm your host, Steve Schramm. Welcome to the show. Hello, my friends, and welcome into another episode of the Bible Nerd Podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. I'm excited to continue our series in Dr. Kurt Wise's book, Faith, Form, and Time. And in this week's episode, what we're going to do is cover one of my favorite topics because I think it is one of the most important topics that you can look at and that you can consider when doing apologetics, right? When looking at how science and the Bible work together. That's right, my friends. We are going to cover the role of science in biblical interpretation, okay? What is the role, if anything, of science in biblical interpretation. Dr. Wise covers this in the book, Faith, Form, and Time, on pages number 22 and 26. And he talks about this in in different ways. And I want to sort of bring to you an intro statement from him, kind of setting up the issue, and then we'll talk through this a little bit. So here is the sort of thought process for this entire episode from Dr. Wise. Quote, straightforward statements of scripture should be considered truth, whether they refer to the physical creation, the spiritual creation, or to man. The Bible's authority should not be limited to morality and lifestyle or to spiritual matters alone, nor should it be used to answer only certain questions such as who or why. Because of the nature of God and the fact that Scripture is the Word of God, the Bible should be understood to be authoritative on all matters it addresses. Biblical claims should have priority over any interpretation of extra-biblical data that contradicts them. Close quote. Now, immediately, this is a statement that is packed with controversy from a, you know, theological perspective. If you're somebody who has been into this stuff at all, looking at science in the Bible, have opinions about theology and things, then you are going to either strongly agree with his statement or perhaps strongly disagree with his statement. And that's why we're going to look at this, because it is an important issue. It is an important thing to to understand. And one of the things I want to say right off the bat here before even going any further is there has been many attempts, and again, these come from different angles and from different sides, but there have been many attempts to um, make excuses for the Bible, okay? In the sense of looking at, like, let's just take Joshua 10. It's my favorite uh, example to keep coming back to. Um, You know, looking at something like Joshua 10, where this is where Joshua is in a battle, and um, basically the Lord extends, appears to at least extend the the day. Okay. He, there is a day where the sun stands still in the sky, it seems to, and the sun's not going down until this battle is being drawn to a close. And a lot of times people in the past have looked at this and they've said, oh, well, this is the Bible teaching geocentrism, the view that the earth is actually the center of the solar system. And we know from science now today that the sun is actually the center of our solar system. So looks like the Bible was wrong. And and, and so you'll have people who will say things like, and they'll point to an example like this and others, and they'll say, well, We know the Bible is not telling us scientific information, but since it got this thing wrong, it is an error on this point, um, 
we definitely don't want to say that the Bible teaches error when it comes to theology and things like that. So there's been what Vern Poitras called this vehicle and cargo distinction. It's um, the the truthful cargo of, of the gospel is being carried in um, an erroneous vehicle, right? Which is this worldview that maybe has faulty opinions about science or things like that, the, the history of the, of the earth or whatever. And this seems like a very slippery slope to go down um, immediately. You know, and that makes it a very difficult for people like like me to accept. Whereas if you look at what the Bible seems to have, what we call phenomena, phenomenological language, if I can get the word out. OK, phenomenological language. And really, that's a big word that just simply means like what your view of something, what they saw. So the biblical writers um, saw something or or heard something that was reported that other people saw and they wrote that down. Okay, that's always the simplest explanation. Okay, and simplicity overrules complexity in not all cases, but a great deal of them. Okay, so we have this explanation where it's like, yeah, they wrote what they saw. The sun was in the sky for longer than it normally would be. And that's it. Now, does that have scientific implications? Maybe, but that's not the point. Again, the writers were writing what they saw. It's much more likely that a writer was writing what he saw and related in that as the sun stood still in the sky. That makes a whole lot more sense than trying to imagine that the biblical writer was trying to do astronomy there. That doesn't make much sense at all to me. And so when we approach these issues, this is just a really good example of of, of we need to be careful to make distinctions where there are not distinctions being made. I don't see anything to suggest that the Bible um, presents itself as something where we should draw this hard line, this hard distinction between um, actual historical data about the nature of the of the earth and the history of the earth versus, oh, just the theological truths that are meant to be communicated. I think a lot of times when people talk that way, they are making excuses because something looks difficult to reconcile on their view. And maybe it's their view that should change Um not the way we actually approach the Bible. So getting into this a little bit more, what is science? Okay, what is science at all? So I'm going to talk about the scientific method versus philosophy a little bit, okay? So Wise underscores this thinking like this. Extra biblical data, such as reason, experience, or physical world data, can certainly be used to aid in interpreting the Bible. But the rule should be that extra biblical data should never be used to reinterpret the Bible. Okay, extra biblical data, reason, experience, physical world data, logic, evidence can be used to aid in interpreting the Bible. But the rule should be that the extra biblical data should never be used to reinterpret the Bible. So what's a really good example of this? Well, again, we're talking about the distinction between the scientific method and philosophy. So when you rule out an explanation that would maybe be biblically warranted a supernatural explanation when you rule that out on the philosophical basis of oh i'm going to be a philosophical naturalist or i'm going to even be a methodological naturalist you have to be very very careful because what you could be doing is from the very outset excluding data and excluding evidence for a view um just because you don't like it or just because you think a priori that is before the evidence is examined it doesn't fit Okay, and that's a dangerous place to be because then you, you very well may not get to the truth of the matter. Instead, we should be open to saying, oh, well, could we explain this in a 
supernatural way. Is a supernatural explanation required to even make this make sense? And what's interesting about the Bible is we have here a history book of the earth from the guy who created it, okay? A history book of the earth from the guy who created it. And so I think there is something to this merit of if the Bible seems to make a claim about the history of the earth, that, again, maybe the Bible isn't doing science per se. I'm certainly not suggesting that. I do not think the Bible is a science textbook, okay? At no point do I want you to think that that I think that because I, I don't. I'm actually, for somebody who's pay atten- who pays attention to this uh, these debates, um, I would be considered a non-concordist, actually. Um, I, I don't think that that biblical writers are necessarily trying to do science because again their science was very primitive um, in comparison to to ours again i think they were writing what they saw i think they were talking about what they saw and what they thought nevertheless as it relates to things that would have implications for the historicity of the earth for example the age of the earth then i do think that we need to use the bible as primary source data because it is more accurate it is historical data from eyewitnesses, okay? And that is always considered to be more accurate, especially when you're looking back into the past than scientific data might be, especially especially if there is reason to question things like uniformitarianism, which we talked about a little bit last time. There definitely is. We don't have any sense in the Bible that something like uniformitarianism might even start to take place until after the flood year, which means before the flood year, frankly, physically, as far as the earth is concerned, anything goes. And we knew that because God destroyed the place with a flood. And so it all makes sense. If the best interpretation, this is wise again, if the best interpretation of the extra biblical data would force an unnatural or contrived meaning upon the biblical text, which is contrary to the text perspicuity, that means clarity, grammar, or genre, then we should reinterpret the extra-biblical data, not the Bible, close quote. And this is a battleground for many. There was one gentleman who I wrote a response to on, on my, my blog, and um, he wrote something on his blog about the Is Genesis History movie, and I, I wrote a response to him. And unfortunately, you know, his opinion on this is, for example, the Big Bang, okay? Well, I mean, he literally said that since we have such good evidence for the Big Bang, we should rethink our interpretations of early Genesis um, to align with something like that. Well, first of all, that's concordism, and it's 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 very much not likely that that concordism is is true, and that's a maybe a topic for a different episode. Um, but even so, it, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Why? Well, because the Big Bang is a relatively recent scientific d- discovery, and if there's anything we know about the um, scientific enterprise, it's that science changes often. And hitching the Bible to the particular science of the day is a very, very, very dangerous exercise, okay? The church made it uh, in that heliocentrism versus geocentrism debate. The church made the mistake of hitching themselves to to the science. With the Big Bang, I think the church is making the mistake of hitching themselves to the science. With evolution, I think many in the church today are making the mistake of hitching themselves to the science. They are reframing their idea of what is biblically feasible and and how we should actually interpret these passages based on current scientific data that can and will change. A hundred years from now, they will laugh at how much we think we knew or how much we thought we knew. 
It's just incredible to me to think that anybody would do that. Whereas the Bible, God's word has stood the test of time for thousands of years now. It doesn't change. Yeah, we learn more about it, sure. But the actual text is unchanging. This is why we have such a sure foundation in it, okay? We don't reinterpret the Bible just because something that we see in science is contrary to the text, perspicuity, grammar, or genre. If the text is clear on something, then we go with that. That's the interpretation. That's right. We need to reinterpret the extra biblical data, not the, the Bible. And something that Jason Lyle has pointed out, which I think is very helpful, is that there's simply more ambiguity in interpreting the natural world than in Scripture. With Scripture, we have direct propositional statements that we need to unpack and understand. With science, you have to first interpret the science, okay? Interpret the scientific data in some way. Put that into propositional statements, which then needs to be accepted or rejected or refined. So there are lots of different layers that come into the, to the puzzle whenever you're talking about starting with a scientific interpretation versus interpreting the infallible words of Scripture. So here's a question. When, if ever, can we reinterpret the Bible based on extra-biblical data? When, if ever, can we reinterpret the Bible based on extra-biblical data? Here's what I would say first. If there are several interpretations of a biblical text that are possible in a natural reading of the text, extra-biblical data can be used to choose one of those. If there are several, several interpretations of a biblical text that are possible in a natural reading of the text, then extra biblical data can be used to choose one of those. Now, I'm going to give you some case studies here in a minute, okay? Second, the extra biblical data might suggest an interpretation of the text that had not previously been thought of, but that does fit within a natural reading of the text. This would be acceptable because the new interpretation is not due to an unnatural reading of the text. In other words, we're not trying to reinterpret it. So here's a couple case studies. So Behemoth, this is the uh, character in Job who appears to be something like a dinosaur. Okay, it's a very big creature. Let's put it that way. Um, we could interpret Behemoth as a dinosaur due to new evidence um, because it doesn't strain the natural reading of the text. And it's a better candidate than any animal ever known to live um, for those that had been proposed before the discovery of dinosaurs. For example, um, early commentators would point to Behemoth and thought it was some sort of a hippo. Later commentators um, posed this as being some sort of chaos monster, ancient Near Eastern uh, chaos monster. Okay. The details of the text, though, seem to suggest that even if there was some imagery going on there with the chaos monster, which I'm willing to, um, I'm willing to, to say that's probably the case. I do think that the details of the text, and I'm not alone in this, by the way. John Oswald, great Hebrew uh, scholar, um, Old Testament scholar, uh, thinks this as well. That the details of the passage itself seem to suggest that we're talking about a real creature here. Okay, and I, I would tend to agree with that. And so uh, it does seem to be based on a real creature, even if there are these associations made with ancient Near Eastern imagery. And if you look at the description of the creature, uh, a hippo, like early commentators thought, seems to make very little sense. But since the discovery of dinosaurs, a dinosaur is a very great example of something that could fit the description of this animal. And so it would seem to make sense. And so I think we are at least rational to say that we could interpret Behemoth as a dinosaur in this text, even if we remain tentative in our conclusion. But then what about the Big Bang? Well, we talked about this a little bit, but but I think according to these rules, we could not reinterpret 
early Genesis to be teaching a big bang, uh, because then it would contradict other clear scriptures like Exodus 20.11, Mark 10.6, and it would also require reading the text unnaturally. Okay, so for example, if the Big Bang is true, we would have to either somehow blend the days together or reorder uh, the days. And so now you're still like you're wanting to do concordism, which is matching text, uh, the text up with uh, scientific phenomena. You're wanting to do that. But in order to do it, you kind of got to play fast and loose with the text a little bit because you got to make the days sort of blend into one another somehow over eons of time, or you have to reorder them uh, because the way that the order of the days is presented in Genesis is not the order of things that um, that people who believe in deep time uh, would believe that things showed up on the earth. So it still presents problems for Earth history when you're looking at it from those perspectives. Now, in dealing with why we should believe the Bible, Wise makes a, a pretty controversial statement here. He says this, quote, The Bible is not reliable because evidence exists that it is. Evidence exists that it is because the Bible is reliable. Evidence can encourage unbelievers to place their faith in Christ. But ultimately, Christian faith can grow only as Christians rely upon faith and not evidence. The Bible is preserved, reliable, and true because of the nature of its author. It should be believed over observation and evidence. Close quote. Well, what Wise is getting at here is this idea that so many of us want to have logic and rationality and evidence be the thing that defines our faith. I guess it makes us feel better or whatever. And these are important things. I mean, I love them. I do this podcast because I think they're important. But they should never have priority over biblical data, okay? The Bible is, you know, our, our, our epistemology, the way we know things, is revelational in nature. We know things because they are revealed to us. They're revealed to us in creation. They're revealed to us in Jesus, the word. They're revealed to us in the written words of God. We know things on that basis. The Holy Spirit reveals himself to us internally. These are things that are, again, revelational in nature. So what we do is either accept or reject the, the revelation, and then we find supporting worldview evidence to go from there, okay? Again, it's not that evidence exists that makes the Bible reliable because evidence is not the standard. The Bible is reliable. That is the standard. And because it is, we have evidence that also confirms that. And that's why when we're doing science, I'm, I'm such a big fan of the approach of just saying, yeah, okay, this is what the author of, of Earth history and of, of you know, universe history um, says about it. So I'm going to start there take his word for it, and then look at the science. And then I'm going to see, yeah, does this make sense or does this not make sense? It's just a philosophical thing. And again, you know, it's not that, like, it's not that the mainstream scientists don't do this. They do. They have a philosophical bias of naturalism. It's literally in their methodology. And so they're going to work on that basis. What things that come along with naturalism are things like uniformitarianism. No reason to deny that the present is the key to the past on naturalism. Okay, and so if you don't deny that, you can work on that basis, and you're going to come up with long dates. You're going to come up with things like evolution, etc. But if you start with the biblical data, you start with the worldview of of the Bible, and you start with with the Earth history as it has been laid out for us in God's revelation, then you come up with different numbers and different data for that, and you still have plenty of science to do. Trust me, 
plenty of work, plenty of models, plenty of experiments, plenty of failures, plenty of successes that can happen within that framework. But starting with the framework of the Bible is the most important thing. You know, biblical faith is not blind, although sometimes it requires belief beyond the logical, okay? It does. Think about Abraham and Sarah. Think about the the Jewish belief in Jesus. Like, you have to, there were people who, who, who plenty of Jews who rejected Christ. Why? Because it wasn't who they were expecting. But there are plenty of Jews that also accepted Christ. Why? Because they looked beyond that, okay? They were able to place their faith and trust in Jesus as the Messiah. They were able to see things that others were not able to see. They were able to hear what others were not able to hear. Abraham and Sarah had no reason to think that they could have a child, and yet they did. In fact, their faith was weak, so weak at one point that Abraham knew he was supposed to have a child and went and had a child with Sarah, uh, Sarai's uh, handmaiden instead of with her. And that was wrong. That was bad. It was not good. And there was judgment for it. When they placed their faith and trust in him, though, and trusted God for the outcome, then great things happened. Isaac was born, and we witnessed the birth of a nation. Closing out here, some object that all truth is God's truth, right? So if the Big Bang is true, then that means it's God's truth, and 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 so it's true. Um, of course, it's true that all truth is God's truth, but the Bible does make a clear distinction between special and general revelation, okay? One is more authoritative. One is more specific than the other, okay? So what do I mean by that? Well, again, special revelation is is the the text of the Bible, okay? We have to ask specific details that tells us how we should interpret general revelation, which is non-specific. It's the night sky, the stars that we count. You know, um, it's the it's what we witness in biology. Okay, these are not things that say Yahweh is the creator, Jesus is the savior. The Bible does that, and it tells us how to understand the God who created, the God who placed, as Stephen Meyer put it, his signature in the cell. We start there because that is the only place where a Christian can reasonably stand. Okay. I hope this has been a helpful episode for you. The role of science in biblical interpretation. What is that? Okay. It is not magisterial. The Bible or science rather does not magistrate over the Bible. It is ministerial. Okay. Science can minister to our understanding of the Bible, but it cannot magistrate over it. The Bible has magisterial authority, and that's how this should work. All right? God bless. I hope this was helpful for you. If you have any questions, feel free to hit up Steve at steveshram.com. Be glad to answer those for you. And otherwise, I can't wait to see you next time on the Bible Nerd Podcast. You guys take care.